Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Ely by the Glass. My name is Layla Joy Williams, and today we have a very special episode. But before we get started, I would like you to please check out Ely at Ely.com. It's a fantastic collection that um, we produce entirely in Spain, incredibly flavorful. It's ecologically produced and sustainable. Um, And as always, a dollar from each purchase is donated to the Deliver Fund. And um, without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Nick McKinley, who is um, very special to us here at Ilia. I met Nick maybe two years ago. It's going to be two years or just about two years. Or reached out to him rather. Um, And Nick is the founder and chief executive officer of the Deliver Fund. Um, And just to kind of give you a little bit of background history, Nick spent 11 years um, in the U.S. Special Operation Unit as an Air Force para rescueman prior to being recruited by CIA. And then at CIA, Nick was an operative who served as a country chief for a special unit within the CIA. It's like a tongue twister. Um, so welcome, Nick. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you for having me, Layla Joy. I appreciate it. So I, um, for those who don't know the story, about two years ago when I was, I had just launched my collection, I was sitting in Spain, which is where I am right now, um, heavily pregnant. I was sitting on the couch watching YouTube. We were just starting to come out of the pandemic. And I was watching an episode of on Valuetainment. Mm-hmm. YouTube. And I saw you there and, you know, I've always loved kids, but just something, I don't know, it just hit different when I was pregnant. I was like, I gotta, you know, I just reached out to you immediately. I found you on, I think, um, linked LinkedIn, I think LinkedIn. And I reached out to you because I, we were just, I was just on the Tamron Hall show and I don't know, I just couldn't get you off of my mind. What you were talking about in that interview was so mind blowing. I just really wanted to see how we could do something, you know, and one of the things that I purposed when I like pivoted into the alcohol space during the pandemic was whatever I decide to put all of my attention to, I wanted to have a give back. So about a year ago, we decided to partner up. And so, you know, a dollar from each purchase, whether it's online or you're buying our product at a retail store is donated to the cause. And so thank you for joining me. I would love for you to just kind of share with people what Deliver Fund is and what you do and how you do it. Well, again, thank you, Leila Joy. Uh, we're, we're so blessed and fortunate to have your, your support of, of what it is that we do. So at Deliver Fund, we're, the, uh, we're a, a counter-human trafficking organization. We're the only donor-funded uh, company on the planet that builds technology for fighting human trafficking. And a lot of people don't understand that the reason we have such a human trafficking pandemic you know, across the world right now. And and I use the word pandemic, you know, very, very strategically is because of technologies, because of smartphones. It's not, it's Um, not abductions and strangers abducting your children or or any of that kind of conspiracy theory stuff. It is human traffickers contacting children online through social media and gaming consoles primarily and then extorting them or learning or, or controlling them through fraud, force or coercion so that they can sell them for their own economic benefit. And that's everything, you know, for, for forced labor to predominantly in the Western world, it's commercial sex trafficking. 
When did, when did you start the Deliver Fund? How many years have you been at this with your team? We became an official nonprofit in 2014, but I started it okay. in mid 2012, actually, is when Deliver Fund got its name. Uh, my co-founder, Sean Fenema, started working with me on it in January of 2013. And then I didn't actually leave the CIA and uh, start doing Deliver Fund as one of my many full-time jobs until until mm-hmm. 2015. And what are the stats currently as it relates to human trafficking? Like, what are the ages of these children and individuals that are most affected? Can you tell us about these kids um, and what is the... Um, rate of return to, I don't, you know, getting them back, I guess, or (laughs) I don't know if I'm asking the right questions. So statistics are very hard to come by, um, good ones anyway, Mm -hmm. because we're talking about a a predominantly underground market. Uh, But what we do know is that according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, we have roughly 100,000 kids go missing each year and one in six is suspected Mm -hmm. of entering the human trafficking cycle. But I think the the statistic that kind of highlights the problem the most, it also comes from NECMEC and, and uh, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is an incredible organization. They do really good work around the missing children and, and child exploitation issue. And what they found was that over a five-year period, they had an 846% increase in suspected child trafficking cases. So think about that. Yeah. That is such a large number. And the reason why is because of smartphones. It's because wow. of what, what are essentially broadband connected microcomputers that are in everybody's pockets that connect everybody to everyone and everything. So human traffickers mm-hmm. traditionally had to recruit runaways at bus stops and they had to, uh, they had to recruit people in person, which limited the number of, uh, of of potential victims that they could come into contact with. Now mm-hmm. they can come into contact with everybody through social media platforms. So it used to be that they had, they had limited reach and a higher, high barrier to entry to what is their business. Now they have a extreme reach. They can for a very, very low to no cost, reduce the barrier mm-hmm. to entry to their business so that they can actually source vulnerable people at, at scale. And who are the perpetrators? That there is no profile, if you will, for human traffickers. I mean, we've, we've seen cases where there was a, an airline pilot who was Mm -hmm. a human trafficker to your, your typical, you know, kind of gangster thug types who are human traffickers to, uh, you know, retired old couples. I mean, there, there really, there really is no, there's, there's no real profile, but what there is, is a business model that they all follow. And it starts Mm -hmm. with usually recruitment uh, and grooming of a potential victim online to the advertising of that victim online. And then the communications uh, with the customer base online and the acceptance of payments either through cash or online payment platforms that we all use in our daily businesses. So 
So while the the profiles of human traffickers and human trafficking victims really span the entire spectrum, the business model is exactly the same. And that's what we attack at Deliver Fund is the business model. So we attack their ability to to get in touch with vulnerable young girls uh, and boys in the first place. We attack their ability mm-hmm. to get a to get an Uber or to get a taxi or to get any, you know, to get an airline ticket, to get a hotel room, to, you know, to accept a payment, to open a bank account. Uh, we attack the entire human trafficking market so that we can increase the chances of success that the human trafficker is actually identified uh, and that there's action taken against that human trafficker. Now we have such a large scale with that issue that we do that through technology by providing data and technology to both. I mean, we, we provide it to everybody from, you know, the soccer mom and, and, you know, suburban, you know, wherever in America, all the way to mm-hmm. law enforcement officers and prosecutors and industry partners in between. I asked that question because I was on a call with a friend of mine who lives in Tennessee and she was, um, I know her from New York, um, really upscale neighborhood. And she shared that one of her neighbors was busted on for human trafficking. And right. so I, I think most of us have this picture of who this human trafficker is, or this person who's involved in this mm-hmm. illicit activity. And it's not who we think we visualize this person to be. It, it could be really anybody. Right. And, and that's, that's the problem. Um, we, we tend to mm-hmm. visualize human trafficking and human traffickers is the, you know, 1960s and 70s street pimp. And now Mm -hmm. that same, that same model has a business has now been applied to the modern economy. And so it's really opened it up to anybody who wants to be involved. And that's, that's the problem. So we have human traffickers that we've got cases open against our deliver fund analysts do who are private jet rich. And then we have human traffickers mm-hmm. who are, you know, kind of your, your average street thug and then everybody in between. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's really uh, there, there really is no profile of a human trafficker anymore. Wow. One of the things that has been perplexing and kind of upsetting to me is that this plight doesn't get national, the national attention it deserves, mm-hmm. you know, and certainly not international. Every so often you'll see a documentary a movie came out a little while ago. It seems like it could be just like the hot topic of the moment, but it's still not something that you, I would expect to hear more about human trafficking. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm the, the conversations that I've had with people or people are still not really sure what it is. And it's just shocking to me because it's happening all around us today. And and the national narrative also becomes sensationalized. Like I think everything else in the media does, right? Everybody's worried about the stranger abducting their child, not realizing that no, the human trafficker is contacting their child on TikTok right underneath their own room. Like that's the problem that everybody has to focus on. The major majority of human Mm -hmm. trafficking cases that the DOJ prosecutes in the United States, uh, as well as other, you know, uh, state and local law enforcement jurisdictions, they all originate online. And so it's it, the, it's the Internet that is the problem when it comes to human trafficking, both in the use of, uh, of, of connecting human traffickers with potential victims, but also connecting human traffickers with customers. 
that's the biggest problem. And that's a conversation that people don't want to really have. You know, parents don't want to really admit that just using the smartphone or the iPad as a babysitter for their child so that they can check out actually puts their child at risk. Instead, they want to think, well, I've got good locks on my doors and I know where my child is. Therefore, my child is safe. Uh, and the Internet has essentially allowed the boogeyman to come into their house. So that's why we need people to focus on the dangers that the Internet has and the dangers that 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 giving their children unfettered access to the Internet presents and solve that problem. That's going to solve the major majority of human trafficking, not sensationalized conspiracy theories about uh, you know, strangers abducting children so that they can, you know, drink their blood in some basement somewhere. I mean, that that's that's just not reality. Got it. And what are some of the events where um, where human trafficking, a lot of human trafficking take place? I know we talked about this last year briefly, but I'm, I'm sure people would love to know, like, yeah, when. This is usually happening in large, larger quantities, I suppose. Anytime you have an increase in uh, in essentially a party atmosphere and you have Mm -hmm. a bunch of people, especially men coming together to, you know, say a NASCAR race, Formula One, the Kentucky Derby, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, SHOT Show. Uh, the Super Bowl, any of the, the World Series, anytime you have a, a sporting event like that or or just a, an event writ large, that human traffickers see that as a market opportunity. And so they will transport their victims there and actually collaborate with other human traffickers so that they can they can fill what is what is a, a market need. And and so it's not just that there's one event. The Super Bowl is the one that gets the worst rap for this, but it really happens mm-hmm. at at any any large event. I don't even know if I should ask the next question, but I I'll, I'll, let me I'll, I'll not ask. I'll, let me I'll, I'll move on. So, why is it important for people to get involved, and how can people get involved to help um, you with this? You know, um, what you're working mm-hmm. on. So the. The best way for people to get involved is to first and foremost, educate themselves as to what human trafficking is. Uh, so if we mm-hmm. think about it, like I'm 45 years old, so I can think mm-hmm. about it in the 1980s, you know, war on drugs before mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. war on drugs. Right. And, and the D.A.R.E. campaign and Nancy Reagan and all that. Nobody was really paying attention to the the illicit drug issue that was rapidly starting to plague our country. And then we launched the mm-hmm. we being, you know, society suddenly had this massive awareness campaign and everybody was was talking about this issue. And then parents were educating themselves about the issue because so that they could talk to their children about it. And that's the same where that's the same place we are in the fight against human trafficking. We need parents primarily, but also everybody in the public to be educating mm-hmm. themselves as to what human trafficking is so that they can educate their children as to what it is so that their children can self-select out of that market. You know, we see these, uh, you see the, the billboards in the, um, in the airport and, and, you know, things like that, that we spend a lot of taxpayer dollars on. And there's not been a single that I can find human trafficking victim that's ever been rescued because they called some number that, or heard some announcement 
in the airport. Like that, that's not the way it works. And so I think in the fight against human trafficking, we have a lot of movement mm-hmm. that we're confusing for progress and it's not progress. Mm-hmm. It's waste. So we've got to educate the public on the realities of human mm-hmm. trafficking, not sensationalized conspiracy theories. And then the public needs to do their part to illuminate and highlight the human traffickers that are in society so that we can push them out of society. Okay. And um, do what actionable things other than watching your children, what they're consuming, um, can we do like calling politicians? Like what else can we do to really help aside from, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. donating money resources to the, to the, the cause. What other actionable things um, can people do? You know, are, are there and are there any apps that you suggest? I, I know you're not promoting anything, but any apps that you suggest people look into to protect their children? Because I, you know, sometimes there is like a generational gap in terms of people understanding how technology mm-hmm. works. You know, and kids are so. I, mean, I have a two year old, and like she can turn on things and you know manage the iPad. And it's kind of shocking, you know, so I, I, I manage it. I've had, you know, I take it away right. from her, but kids are so technology, they're technologically savvy today that, um, and most parents don't even know how to things, most things operate, you know? So what can, what actionable things can we do to protect our children, our household? So, our community? so the, the first and foremost is I do believe that there is often a generational gap and parents are negligent in that. And they have to educate Mm -hmm. themselves about the technology. I mean, it's not, you know, just because you don't know a lot about firearms doesn't mean that you're not going to allow a loaded, you know, you're not going to do something if there's a loaded firearm laying around your house, right? You're not going to let your child handle that problem for you. So there, there is a, um, there is a, I believe responsibility for parents to stay as up to date as they can on, uh, on the thing that it is potentially harming their child, which is their smartphones. So, so that that's number one. The second is, um, while there aren't any apps right now that are, uh, uh, that are, are going to be real helpful. Stay tuned. Uh, there are some that should be hitting the market in the next couple of months that will be very, very helpful. And then, uh, the, and then you mentioned politicians and, and it's not the federal politicians, it's the state and local politicians. I, I recommend everybody talk to their mayors and city councilors and, uh, you know, different people, the different elected politicians and ask them what they think about human trafficking. And, you know, if it's an important thing and, and every single one of them will tell you they, that it's so important and they're, they're, it's a top priority and all these things that they're going to do. And then the next question that everybody needs to ask is show me the budget line item in the, you know, city, county, state, federal budget that allocates funding for fighting human trafficking. Why do we spend more keeping our parks clean and green than mm-hmm. we spend on fighting human trafficking? You know, why do we spend more? Why do, why do our local police departments spend more on auto theft and property theft than they spend on fighting human trafficking? Those are, and, and that's not the fault of the, of the police officers and it is not the fault of the police chiefs. It is the fault of the politicians who are not properly allocating funding for the fight against human trafficking. That's, that's, that's what we can all encourage our politicians to do. And politicians who refuse to allocate funding in your 
local area for the fight against human trafficking need to be voted out and replaced with somebody who will take it seriously. Fantastic. And I guess my final question is, um, what do you hope to see? I mean, you've dead, you and your team have dedicated your lives to this mm-hmm. cause and I'm in awe. What do you hope to see happen? Like what will be your measure of success in terms of, you know, how, you know, uh, in terms of the, the problem that you're tackling, like, what are you working towards? I, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, we would love to eradicate it totally, but we also know that technology is evolving all the time. Mm-hmm. And you and I were just talking about how now it's AI, you know, and well, so, I mean, what do you hope to see happen? Um, I don't know if it's corporations that are kind of called mm-hmm. out. Um, it's, more investment. It's it's not so much called out. It's more just taking it seriously. So we uh, we make it easy and cheap for everybody to participate in the fight against human trafficking. So that doesn't matter if you are a transportation company or a hotel or an airline or a law enforcement or a prosecutor's office or you know a, a soccer jujitsu mom. It doesn't matter. Once we get everybody Mm -hmm. participating in the fight against human trafficking, it's going to make it extremely difficult and uncomfortable for human traffickers to exist in modern and polite society. So that's actually the goal. It's not it's not to it's not that I'm so grandiose as to think that we're going to completely eliminate all human trafficking. That's not realistic. Mm -hmm. But what Mm -hmm. we can do is reduce it considerably. When I say considerably, I'm talking to the tune of, you know, 75, 80, 85 percent over the next decade just through the proper applications of technology, because if it was technology that led Neck to notice that there was an 846% increase in, in suspected child trafficking cases, then it's technology that can be used to fight that increase and reduce it by 846%, right? So the inverse is true. And that's why we're so focused on creating technology and putting technology in the hands of the people who need it to fight human trafficking. Again, from the soccer mom to the law enforcement officer and the prosecutor. and if we if we all take it seriously and we all then use the tools that are available just like we do for child you know for for pedophiles and and things like that then we can actually get to the bottom of this i shouldn't have said called out more like we need the partnerships, partnerships we need absolutely. the partnerships that yes yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nick. I really appreciate your time. I really wanted, I thought this would be a great opportunity for people to have like a quick shot in terms of just getting to know who you are and what your organization is all about. And we're so honored to, you know, be a part of this. So well, thank, thank you. you, Layla Joy. And we're, <laughs> we're honored to have your support. <laughs> have a great day. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on um, this episode of Ely by the Glass. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? 
the All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo Season 2 based on the Watching Now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. <laughs> Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is is it over yet? Reach is f***ed. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive. She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. Is the water on this planet? What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew?